Uh, those that, uh, of you that came in late, we did pass out last week's list for how it is that a wife can uh, admire her husband. They're probably the extra ones are on the, back sh- uh, on the back table. Thank you, Joe. Well, the duty of all children is, uh, is our message for this morning. Take your Bible, look at Ephesians chapter 6. The duty of all children. And uh, it uh, is immensely practical to every one of us here because if I understand uh, life right, all of you are somebody's children, right? Anybody here hatched from an egg? I used to have a math teacher that would say, you're so dumb, half of you been hatched from eggs. I'm sure of it. None of you were. You all have parents, and so you didn't come from spontaneous generation or eggs or somewhere else. And so it speaks to all of us directly and powerfully. Well, I'd like to ask the question, what do you highly prize in your life? What's precious? What's uh, utterly uh, of extreme value and worth, as you would count it? Maybe you have an heirloom that's been passed down from uh, family uh, generation to generation. I remember when Sarah looked at Faith's uh, engagement ring, I when we were married 25 years, I bought, I was able to buy Faith a nicer engagement ring from when I was in college and bought her one <clears throat> and gave that to her. And I'll never forget uh, my Sarah taking one look at this, and she's holding it up like this and said, Mom, can I have this when you're gone? <laughs> of course, it makes it easy having only one daughter, you know. That. <laughs> I thought, wow, there you go. And we chuckle at that and, and all the rest. And sometimes jewelry or heirlooms are highly esteemed. Sometimes, you know, a pet. You highly esteem a pet. Some of you love your pets. You know, they're like kids. My mother's like that. She loves her dog at 15 years old, and she was telling about him, me about it again this week. I don't know how the thing has survived. Uh, the bones are frozen, and she said the dog hops like a rabbit because the arthritic hips, can't even bend at the, it must be pathetic seeing the thing go around the block twice a day, but she loves that thing. She I just love my pet. I know you do, Mom. Isn't the Lord good that gives animals for no other reason than, well, some of you are hunters that you shoot them, but the rest that, you know, you have pets and so on, <laughs> that kind of, kind of thing. And value that. You might value your education, or you might value something, something you highly prized. You think of all kinds of things that fit this category. Uh, however, did you know that God calls each one of us to highly prize our parents? Now, you won't hear that in the common culture, at least I didn't hear that in the nutty day in which I, I was raised. I heard a lot about generation gaps and can't trust anybody over 30 and you know, you get to that age and you say, well, that was about the stupidest thing I think I ever said, you know. But uh, all that kind of thing. But God says, listen, you want, you want something of extreme worth to all children everywhere? It's their parents. And that's God's opinion on the subject. And we do well to take that right to the heart. In fact, the fourth commandment of the Big Ten, remember the Big Ten? God put them on tablet twice. You remember, you remember that? Actually, uh, it should be the fifth commandment. I don't know why I have the fourth. <laughs> the fourth the good, some of you were a little unnerved there. That's right. Fourth is the Sabbath day. The fifth. The fifth. Right? Show that as a correction. I got that one wrong. Uh, re- requires us what? To honor. Honor your father and your mother. Honor. honor. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Well, Paul in unfolding for what it means for us to walk with the Lord. That's, that's what he's talking about in Ephesians chapter 5, and he's giving several examples of that. And uh, he is talking to us about uh, submission and how submission to one another, in verse 21, is central. We're to consider all others are better and be willing to take the lower spot. And then wives to their husband. He says it explicitly. We saw that last time. And now he's going to talk in chapter 6, this whole idea of children to their parents. It's central to walking hand in hand with the Lord. We're to submit 
to parents. All children, you know, are required to both obey and to honor their parents. There's no generation gap. Children, even as adults, Paul would intimate to us, no more than intimate, would tell us by an imperative, we must go out of our way always to show reverence and respect in every action to our parents. That is a tall order. Now I'll confess right up front, I, I failed at this thing. And so have you. Don't look so holy. Some of you look pretty holy there. We'll, we'll bring your parents in. We'll bring them, we'll bring them right in here. And get the <laughs> this is one that uh, kind of slays us all. But uh, today is the beginning of the rest of your, We can make some correction here, and we ought to perhaps. Obedience. This is uh, one of the most basic and obvious responsibilities uh, of parents to teach their children. It is so obvious it ought not to be told, uh, need to be taught, but it needs to be taught. One man writes, it's amazing how many parents seem clueless, clueless to this responsibility that God lays upon parents to teach children to obey and to honor their they're them, them as their parents. Well, Paul tells us that it's the child's duty to obey and it's the parent's duty to teach obedience. To teach a child to obey is to teach him ultimately to obey God. Parents stand in the place of God to that little one. And uh, to teach them reverence, respect, high esteem, honor, and obedience transfers easily then in the years to come to their heavenly Father. Uh, if you don't teach them to obey, then you're teaching them ultimately to defile God, to defile. Now, it's hard work. It's hard work for parents to teach their children to obey. It's exhausting at points. Have you ever heard of the strong-willed child? We, we had several. And uh, they'll take you to the limit and then beyond. They will. But you cannot surrender. There's no white flags like this. Okay, we'll let our pastor do it. Please don't do that. We'll let their Sunday school teacher. We'll let their youth leader. We'll let their... No, don't surrender. Go eye to eye and toe to toe. My mother, I think in her wisdom, said it so well. You always love your children but you don't always like them. Don't worry about the liking. You know, some of our parents that miss this think that they got to be buddies with their children. Oh, they might, they won't like me. Or, you know, some homes have been ravaged by divorce and dad's gone and maybe there's a stepdad or mom and all the rest. And it gets, and so, you know, and kids know how to play that, right? They sense where the weakness is and it doesn't matter. You go toe-to-toe and eye-to-eye in teaching and enforcing this. Don't worry about the like. My mother was right. You do what's right here. You love them ultimately. If you spare the rod, you really don't love them anyway. You spoil the child. You have to teach them obedience. Next week, incidentally, we're going to look at 6-4. You have very practical ways, parents, on what you ought to bring your children up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. We'll do that next week. But you do what's right, and I guarantee in time, they will like you, and the like will be there in their adulthood. They will. They may not understand a lot, and your, your job is not to be their buddy. It isn't to be their buddy. Forget that. It doesn't matter where you are, or what your station in life, or where you came to know Christ. You have a job to do. It's job one. It's not building Ford cars. Job one, quality. Now, yeah, this is quality in raising... You teach them to obey, to honor and to obey. You must, you must teach it, you must expect it, you must demand it. Okay, that's not too severe. I, I, I'd be negligent if I didn't teach you the very spirit and the law of the Word of God in this. Well, two commands in our text, Ephesians 6, directing us to submit to our parents so that we will what? We will enjoy them. You'll have a right relationship with them. And more than that, 
a long life is even promised. Uh, let's, let me just read again chapter 6, verses 1, 2, and 3. Children, obey. It's a command. Obey your parents in the Lord, or as you would the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is, Paul says, the first commandment with a promise. Here it is, that it may go well with you. And second, that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Well, you should note that this is the only command found in all of Scripture that is directed solely to the children. Isn't that interesting? I like those when they're like, this is the only, this is the only usage of the, this is the only command directed to the children. Hear this. Don't miss it. Well, the first command, we as children are commanded to obey our parents. Now, this obedience in this regard is an act or an action. Obedience is the fundamental relationship of children to parents. Well, A, Paul uses a different word from the earlier word submission. In, in chapter 5, verse 21, submit to one another. And then wives, <clears throat> it's, as we said last week, it's so strong it carries into verse 22. Wives, in the NIV, submit to your husband. But the, the word in 21, it's a different word from that. The Bible never calls wives to have this relationship with their husband. It's not that. I remind you again, a wife is equal in every way to her husband. She's to be at his side and he at her side. As equals in the, in the things of God as they stand on flat ground. And she more talented and able in so many other areas than he is that he's lacking. Remember God said, not good, when he looked at Adam standing alone. And he built from a wife. But in the area of the home of submission in the fallen world, the wife voluntarily, cannot be commanded, places herself under the headship leadership of her husband. That's not the word that's used here of children. Children, you are to obey your parents. Well, what's the word that's found in Ephesians 6.1? Paul uses a different word. Here it is. He uses the word that means, in fact, it's a little translation from the Greek, to be under the hearing of. A child is to be under the hearing of his dad or her dad or her mom. It means to listen. But more than that, it means to listen and to do what you are told. Children are to put themselves under the word and under the authority of their parents. Uh, the sense here of this imperative is that it should characterize one's whole life. It's a present imperative, and it shows durative. I mean, not just for one event or this event or this. Okay, it's durative for the for the duration of, let's say, the minority years, or until you're out on your own and have established yourself in your own home, uh, marriage, what have you. You're to have the quality of life that you put yourself under the hearing, you hear, and then you respond, not negatively. Sometimes my father would say, and I didn't always respond positively, nor did you. The idea here, the command is to respond in accordance with what you were asked to do. Well, to whom is Paul speaking? He says here, children. Uh, the word techna, or children, here does not primarily, particularly refer to just young children. You're not talking about just toddlers, talking to children uh, of all ages, uh, really to all offsprings uh, uh, that, that might be there in the household. Uh, sons and daughters still under the roof uh, seem to be the focus, and, and, and so on. So he's saying, listen, you're to obey. You're to place yourself under their hearing. I'm reminded a breakdown in the home between parent and child will lead to a breakdown everywhere, everywhere. We could pass the microphone around and, and ask you, you know, of times that you defied uh, the wishes of your parents and what you suffered as a result of that and, uh, and so on. And now, uh, you know, as someone said, the older I get, uh, the smarter I realize my parents were. You know, that they love you, and even though their life may, uh, certainly they're not perfect. They're sinful people too, and if they were saved, they still struggled with sin too. But, but there's something that built into parents. They usually, almost always, want the very best for their children. 
It's a God-instilled thing. They would die for their children, protecting them. Even as my mother said when we were talking about Michael Klotzbach this week, uh, parents should never have to bury their children. Uh, parents would die for their children uh, in lieu of that happening. And I, I agree with that. I do. I agree with that. We're, we're to place ourselves under the hearing of that. I remember one time when I was a senior in high school and God really began to draw my heart to the things of the Word of God. My life really began to change as uh, uh, God used my parents in so many ways. Uh, even my father, not saved at this point now. And, and I had to work through that, you know. And, and notice here in the text, it doesn't say, obey children, obey your Christian mom or dad. It doesn't say that, does it? My Bible doesn't say that. And God didn't make any mistake. I know some of you think God made a mistake. You look at your family, you go like, Lord, I'm in the wrong place. <laughs> You're not. You're not. You're exactly, and it's no accident. God said, oh, I lost you. Get, get over here in the Smith family or something. I, no, none of that. God, there's no accidents, no mistakes. He knows what he's doing. And God began to draw my heart to himself, and it would lead me into divinity studies and years and, and so on and, and, and all that. And uh, I remember in the spring semester of my senior year, uh, I had applied at different schools. I had some athletic scholarships. We'd gone out and talked to the coaches and all that. And, but God turned really my attention toward a Christian college. Um, it didn't have the prestigiousness of some of the other schools. And uh, my father was struggling with that a little bit. My father said he, want, I wanted, he had wanted me to go to Princeton. And uh, I laid before him. I said, Dad, I, you know, I, I realize if uh, this, that, and the other options, if, uh, if I don't go there and attend... But I really would like to go to a Christian college. And uh, I resolved, God had brought, resolved in my heart that uh, I was going to wait on my father and let uh, God work through him. And uh, I wanted his blessing. Now, he didn't know Christian language. He didn't know what that meant. He would never have said that, you have my blessing. But in so many words, that's the way I prayed, Lord, work through dad. And uh, if, if I should go to that school, then... Uh, I, work through him so I have his blessing. And I remember the day finally came. I said, Dad, I, I've got to make a decision here. And he was, it was early morning. He was still in his bedroom. He was laying on the bed. And he had a hand on his head, and he said, uh, I said, Dad, I have to make a decision here. I've got to, I've got to get the, my letter off of, uh, that I'll go there. And he said, do you really want to go to that place? <laughs> And I said, yeah, I really do. I really, God has really, I said that. God has put that in my heart. And I don't know where, where it leads, but I, I would love to do that. I was silent for a bit. And then he said, all right. Then why don't you send that letter in? And I, I left there just rejoicing. As once again, I learned, you know, to work through the parent structure that God didn't inadvertently, but had placed in my life, and that God could use even an unsaved father, even though in his heart it was somewhat disappointing. I didn't play football somewhere. I didn't go to Princeton. And, and I had his, uh, his blessing on that. And I was always thankful. That was, I could tell you, probably five to one where I didn't do that, but uh, that one stands out, and I'm thankful that God had so worked in my life at that point. Well, doesn't Jesus set for us a wonderful example? Here's the creator of all. I mean, if anyone could have pulled rank on a father, stepfather. Uh, Joseph, I'm, you know, I stayed in the temple there. I'm about my father's business, and don't give me a break. You know, like, you know, I know where you live. I'll show up sometime. I'll come up to Nazareth. No. The text tells us that when they found him there, he submitted to his earthly uh, stepfather, to Mary, and grew in stature and wisdom with God and with man. He placed himself, the creator. Do we need any greater example of that? I don't think so. I don't think there is one. Until he came of age, until it was time for him to enter his public ministry. And I have the reference on Luke chapter 2, uh, summarizes his response, his relationship to God and to men. He, he always chose to obey, always. And it's a choice, isn't it? It's a choice. And we need 
to do the same. The so-called generation gap is nothing more than another attempt by Satan to ruin homes, to divide father uh, from uh, his sons and daughters and mothers and son, and put a wedge, put a wedge. And so we, we have lived long enough to see some of the disastrous results of that, have we not? In homes, in the abuse, in the exposure to our children to not only sexual abuse, but the drug culture and, and the pornography and the evil that's just everywhere out there with the breakdown of the homes. God uh, is not pleased with the thought of generation gap, rock music notwithstanding. Now, obviously, there are different dress. We dress a little different. I don't dress like my father and certain things of my age. And you Certainly, there's a generational thing there, but love and honor and to prize highly. That's God's desire of a child's relationship to his father and to his mother. That's what God is saying. Uh, Paul, indeed, Paul gives us the manner of the obedience that we owe our parents. He says, uh, uh, in the Lord. In other words, parents stand uh, in the very place of God to children. Sometimes children will say, well, what is God's will for me? I'll ask them, well, what's your parents' desire? And they'll tell me, but I'm still not sure God's will. And they'll say, I got news for you. God's will and your parents' will is one and the same. You need to hear them and to obey. That's it, and do it from the heart. That's God's will for you. He has things to teach you that he wants to teach you from your parents, whether they're saved or not. That's God's will for you. The manner is uh, of obedience, what we owe our parents in the Lord. Parents are God's proxies. That is, they stand in the place of God to their children. You know that? They do. They stand in the very place. It's the fifth commandment of the ten. It's the first one that deals with human relationships. We'll note in a moment, it's first. It might be first in priority because if you get that one right, you don't have problems with your neighbor or anyone else or as much a problem. But you get the fifth one wrong, honor your father and mother, life is going to be uphill all the way. Life in a fallen world is hard, but we can, by sin, make it harder and harder on ourselves. God said, listen, this is the way you live. You want to be happy? want to be blessed? Do this. Honor your father and your mother. Honor him. Parents are God's proxies. What? How are they God's proxies? Well, they're, they're loving. Most parents have an innate love for their children. It's, it's some abandon their children, but that's very, very rare. There's a, a built-in love. There's some gals that have been pregnant with unwanted pregnancies and, and all the rest, and they and then the culture makes it, oh, you can go and abort. And then they have the terrible, terrible heartache of that all their life. God gives grace, I know. But I say there may be unwanted pregnancies forever and all the reasons. But when a baby comes, there's like a magnet. It's the love of even an unwanted child for a baby is, is, is beautiful, loving, caring. What else does a parent do? A parent provides it's a joy for me to provide, to be able to provide for my family, for my children. That's a joy. Dads have that joy as we think about that. We, we, we handle that seriously. That's why some of us work hard and long and some of you overtime to be able to provide for your children. The necessities and education and clothing and, and all the things of life. That's, that's the way parents care for. God provides. And then the law giving, right? God gives us law not because he's trying to be mean. He made us. He knows how we best work. He knows how we're happy. If we live within the fences of God's law, we're the most happy. And when we cross that, it's like we fall on our sword and pierce our heart and we're bleeding. And the hurt and suffering and the loss that happens. Well, parents do that. Parents, lay down the law. We had the, uh, the do I got to lay down the law? My father, I don't know what that meant, but he used to say that a lot. I'm laying down the law here. I don't know if he was out the West with, used to watch those Westerns at that point, but we all knew what he meant, and there was a deep sense of respect, and if you didn't have it, man, you were in deep trouble. 
you are in deep trouble. Uh, Shakespeare in his writing, did you ever notice that? He says that parents are God's lieutenants. That's good. I think Shakespeare may have been a Christian, the way he writes. And some of you have studied it more than others. I realize that. But uh, God's lieutenants. And I'm reminded, guess what? Children do not belong to the state. As parents abdicate their role and become very selfish and whatever else, don't teach their children this teaching that we're hearing this morning. And they get more riotous, and then the breakdown of the home, the state will move in. You see that even in Hillary Clinton's writing. It takes a village. It takes a village. The idea that it, you know, children really don't belong to parents or family, ultimately they're the Lord's, but they're societies, and it takes more, and it's the government, and there's some countries that have gone that way. The children are their natural reason. You'll never find that in the Word. That is treasonous. There's a spirit of authority God created called the state, but that doesn't touch on their part at all. It's family. It's the family. That's the oldest institution of God, the state and the church, and never the, should they be mixed up. Well, we're to obey parents in everything. That is, it's not a blanket uh, uh, obedience, though it almost always is, unless they should ever ask us to disobey the Lord. And in Acts 4, you can write that down, 14, chapter 4, 19 through 20, you, you, you determine, the apostles said to the magic, is it better to obey God than man? And always, always we obey, obey God. I was reading Jim Boyce this week on this, and he said, you know, you have, sometimes it's difficult to tell if parents ask you to, to sin. He said, for example, if a parent should forbid a, let's say, a teen to be baptized, what do you do with that? It's a command, it's an ordinance. But he said in his wisdom, uh, as he has counseled through the years, cases like that, and I knew a woman who had just this. Uh, she was uh, raised in a certain church and sprinkled as a, as a, as a baby and uh, came to understand believers' baptism, wanted to, to be baptized, but it, was, um, it would have uh, caused a deep problem with her parents. And, uh, and so Boyce said, I would say, wait on that. Just wait. You don't have to go and do that right now. Wait. Wait until you're in your majority years and then, and then be baptized. However, if parents should forbid you to worship uh, the Lord and to follow him, that's a different matter that you can't forsake, you see, and that you must always do. And see, sometimes it's hard to split, but the Lord can give wisdom and even counsel in, in, in that. Well, E, Paul gives the reason for our obedience. He said what? It is right. It is right. Uh, right at the end of that, uh, right in the middle of verse 1, it is right to uh, obey your parents. Well, uh, this intimates natural law. What does that mean? Natural law isn't the law that's in the, in the police manual or the courthouse or even in the Scripture. But what natural law means, these things that are stamped upon the hearts of men and women, upon our conscience, that intuitively God is given us a sense of right and wrong, and uh, God says uh, through Paul, this is right. And uh, it is right. It is right in life that children, uh, being minors, should hearken unto the voice of their parents. And it, it, it ought to be just so. It is right. Now, I'm reminded it is always God who tells us what is right and what isn't. God determines what's right and he stamped this even on our heart. Now, you might want to flip your handout over. Let me give you a couple of reasons why it is so hard to teach, teach our children to, uh, to obey their parents. Just three. A, the first reason is the corruption uh, all around our kids tends to defile them. C, corruption. The corruption that is all around our children uh, tends to defile them. Uh, it's in the uh, medias, the movies, the TV, it's in print, it's uh, in the music uh, that, uh, that we listen to, that they listen to. Uh, it, uh, it's the spirit 
of rebelliousness and uh, independence. And, and it's, it's, there's a corruption, it's a rottingness in, in the culture. Decadence or decay, if you will. Corruption all around tends to defile them. The second is or be the curse inside them. The curse, that is the presence of sin inside them, tends to stir them to go the wrong way. So you got corruption, and then the curse inside. Don't have to teach children to do wrong. Have you noticed that? Don't have to do it. It just comes naturally because we have a human nature tainted with sin. We got from, from Adam. All of us, we have to, you have to discipline the childishness out of them. And that's C. That's our third. Their own childishness makes them susceptible to many dangers. Their own childishness. There's a foolishness. There's an immaturity of, of just being immature, young in age, that makes susceptible to many dangers. There is. And it makes our task harder. It does. And so Paul urges us through a command, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. This is right. Well, there's a second command directing us to submit to our parents so that we might enjoy them, have good, healthy relationships, and a long life on earth. And that's found in verses 2 and 3. Here Paul says, And to honor, <clears throat> honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. We as children are commanded to honor our parents. Now, this is far more than mere obedience. It's like the child who was being disciplined, the strong-willed child. <clears throat> and the parent wants him to sit down, sit down, sit down. And the child in defiance stands up. And so, you know, you take him into the back room and you, and you encourage him in that part of the body that has a little extra padding. And be careful about that. We live in a nutty day. A nutty day. Do never discipline your children in anger. Never discipline them in public. But there's a part of the body that you give a little encouragement to. And brought the child back in, and the child was now sitting, no longer standing. And the child said to his father, I may be sitting, but I am standing on the inside. Now that's the difference between obeying, that's an action, and honoring, that's an attitude. That's the hard issue. That's harder, isn't it? That's harder. Dad carries the big club. I'll do what he wants grudgingly. No, this is honoring. This is to mea, to prize, to esteem. That's what he's talking about. The word here, honor, means to hold in the highest possible regard, to highly prize, to reverence. Dad, you said it. Okay, I'll cut those two by fours, eight and three, 30 seconds. Gladly. I didn't say that. I got in deep trouble because I didn't. And I made a mess. I made firewood instead of cutting. <laughs> I wanted to do something else. That, uh, the fourth, uh, again, it should be the fifth commandment, honor in Hebrew, kavad. That's the word kavad for honor. It means to be heavy. In the ancient world, it was real simple. If you were a person of renown, a king, you were the heavy. We used to say that in the 60s. Oh, that's heavy. Heavy. You know, we say that. It, it means, hey, man, that was, you better give due consideration for. And if you were a lightweight, you were a fool, was a lightweight. They, their lives were like chap. They just blew away, like Psalm 1. The wind would blow. Where'd they go? Nah, they're gone. They were a lightweight. Parents, God says, are the heavies, and they need to, it needs to be taken to heart as we consider their words and their direction to us, because almost always, almost always, they have their, our, our best uh, at, uh, at heart, and we're to uh, give them 
Uh, in fact, and that's Exodus 20:12. That is the fifth commandment. Uh, in fact, uh, Exodus 21:15 and 17. If if you were to curse your parents, or if you were uh, to attack them, uh, it was the death penalty in Israel. I was serious. Boy, that would do something, wouldn't it? Oh my word! No, no I'd be preaching to no one today. Probably, oh, maybe one of you. But that'd be it. You know, the death penalty. I remember one family I came in Indiana. It was, uh, I'll never forget it because it was so abnormal. It was a situation where I was trying to separate a father from his adult son who was living at home. And the father was bludgeoned. Dick, his name was Dick. And I remember saying, what happened? And the son beat his father up. And I, 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 to this day, it still hits me hard. And he was in the, staying in the house yet and uh, was listening to his Black Sabbath and some other real edifying music with his headphones on, didn't have a job and all the rest. And I thought, this is, this should never be. Never be. I hate to, and maybe that, boy isn't, he's not a boy, and he, maybe he's dead today. And incidentally, here, let me give you a verse. Write down Proverbs 30, 17. Here's God's warning to the wayward child. You want to know what it is? The wayward child, here is God's warning. The eye that mocks his father and scorns obedience to his mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out, and the young eagles will eat it. You know what that means? You're going to be dead. If you, if you mock your father and scorn obedience to your mother. That's God's warning. Whoa, I better take this to heart. Well, B, we are to honor both our dads and our moms. Both. Many of the pagan cultures and religions, that they totally disregarded the mothers. The Greeks had this uh, patria uh, where fathers could decide even the death of a newborn if they didn't want him. If it was a girl, put them to death or throw her out the window. And a lot of Christian orphanages started. They'd pick up these unwanted children and care for them and nurture them and love them. But it, God doesn't mince words. It's both dad and, and mom. And as we grow into adults and move out of our parents' home, we no longer have to obey them, but we never come to a place where we stop honoring them. Never. Never. You never come to a place where you say, well, that's it. I graduated. I'm done with that. You never come. You're not under their hearing. Let's say you're married and on your own now. You're not under your parents' hear, hear them and obey. You're a brand new entity, or now you're in adulthood on your own. See, it changes there, but you never come to a place where you stop highly esteeming them as God's special treasure. Even like you picked up with Maggie's word about her dear mom. Dear special treasure, a mom, a dad, to you. And be careful about this. A lot of your moms and dads are gone. Faithy's mom and dad are gone. We think we're going to have all this forever. Not so. And honor them with your words while they're here. Because short order... They're almost gone. My mother celebrated a birthday this week. And uh, I thank her for being my mom and, and different things. I won't tell you what I said, but I want to honor her. Did she do everything right? No way. Did I? Impossible. But she invested herself in her kids. And uh, for that, I thanked her for doing that, you know, and for some other things. We're always to honor. She's getting feeble. She's getting strange in certain areas. <laughs> but she's your mom. I don't, you don't write them off. And, you, and In fact, we'll talk about it in the Lessons for Life. We're to care for our parents financially. You never come to a place where God is more important than parents. The Pharisees did that. In fact, you could write down the text I have it on. No, I don't. Matthew 15. The Pharisees loved money. And so, and their parents had need. And so, rather than help their parents, uh, they were saying, oh, oh, 
Oh, that little bit of money, that's dedicated for God. And Jesus rebuked them. You violated the commandment, and you've not honored your father and your mother by saying it's dedicated to God. No way. Here's the Lord of glory saying, no way. It works like this. Uh, our children come into the world, and we take care of them for the first part. And if we live and they live, they take care of us at the other end. And if I've noticed, a lot of times both ends have diapers. So you figure that one out. <laughs> but you better train them and teach them to do that. Or at the other end, they won't be anywhere to be found. And that's God's plan and program for us here. It is. We never stop honoring Him. Now, number one, this may be a difficult area for some, for not all parents live in such a way that their children can properly honor them. I know that. Sometimes there's abuse, physical abuse. Sometimes there's alcoholism. You know, there's no money for shoes and, and, and the gambling and all that and abuse of mom or maybe it's sexual abuse or maybe it's joblessness and undiscipline or lack of love, hardness, these kind of things. And, and so how I know it sometimes it's difficult. It is. If this is a problem for any of you, I encourage you to study your parents and pick out those areas in which you can properly honor them. Honor them and honor them. Now, I, 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 I share with you something Dr. Boyce wrote that took me by surprise about his own life. You know, you sometimes think these great expositors. Now he's in heaven, I realize. But um, you think they have it all together. Like you think I have it all together. You've got to be kidding me. All pastors, don't they fall out of the heaven sky and here they are, aren't they? i got news for you. And if you have any doubts, ask faith. <laughs> On a bad day, she'll tell you more than you need to know. <laughs> Here's Dr. Boyce's uh, uh, situation took me by surprise. You know, I just read these two paragraphs. If, if, he says, if you too are having difficult in this area of honoring your parents, he says, I suggest that, as I echo to you, that you study your parents, pick out the areas that you can honor them. He said, I remember doing this with my own father at a very critical point in my growing up. Although my father was not a bad father in the sense that I have been speaking of or of or never discouraged, but rather he always encouraged me and my Christian commitment. The difficulty for me was twofold. First, uh, my father was a very busy uh, doctor who was very seldom at home. And second, uh, when he was at home, I found it most difficult to talk to him. You see, my father doesn't communicate easily on a personal level. In fact, and this is a sad statement here, I cannot remember ever having a meaningful, constructive conversation with my father. Is that sad? Boy, that, that was sad for me. He's, he's one of my heroes. Next paragraph. But I determined to examine his life for areas in which I could particularly honor and admire him. And I discovered that there were many such areas. I learned that my father was extremely hardworking and conscientious. Indeed, that was why... He was away from home so much. So although his being away created problems, there were also advantages. The fact that he could pay for an extended and thorough education for me was one of those. Dr. Boyce, let me just insert, was one of the best educated men that I ever, ever knew. Second of all, he said, I discovered that he was extremely generous. My, my father never flaunted his giving to Christian and other charitable causes. In fact, he hardly mentioned it, although my father was quite open in talking about money. When I learned what he did, some of the resents, resentments I had in other areas dissipated. And so his advice is well taken. He was a Pittsburgh boy. Did you know that, Janae? Born and raised in Pittsburgh. Look for the areas. Some of you would say, well, there aren't any areas. Yes, there are. Look for the areas and honor your parents in those areas that come to mind. Well, see, our motivation uh, for this is given. It's the first commandment uh, with promise. Verse 3, that it 
and here it is, that may go well with you and, it's in parallel, that you may enjoy long time, the word is chronos, or long time here on earth. Well, it's not only the first commandment with promise and reality, if you look at the Ten Commandments closely, it's the only one. It's the only one of the ten that has a promise uh, that's attached to it. You might say that God thinks so much of this that he underlined it with a promise. And the promise is twofold. The first one is a quality of life. If you do this, it will be well with you. It will be well. This is the God-blessed and favored life. It's the first commandment with promise. Some suggest maybe it's not first in time, but first in priority. In other words, this is the bedrock of all life. You get this down and everything else is easy or a lot easier. And you will enjoy a sense of well-being in life. Now, you know what it is when we disobey parents and you're kind of on the outs? There were seven children in our family, and at any one day, somebody was on the outs, and we knew what that meant. And they were usually being dealt with and, uh, and all that was involved with that. And I'm sure it was hard on my parents, tiring, exhausting. Who enjoys that? I never enjoyed that. Did I enjoy uh, the, that with uh, my children? Never do I do that. But afterwards, if their spirit is broken, is an incredibly teachable moment. Isn't it? It really is. And men, let me encourage you, as your children get older, you know, what your, your wife may have been able to handle easily when they were younger, when they get older and their will gets stronger, you better stand in the gap there. You will not talk to your mother that way, and, and you better, she needs your protection with that, or they'll run over her. You understand? I remember the day when my mother hit me with a, with a paddle, boop, and the thing flew off and went into the sink, and my brother and I stood there laughing away. But when my father came home, <laughs> he didn't put up with any of that stuff, and it was something to pay on that. And I don't think my mother ever disciplined me after that. He took care of business, and I'm glad he did. You'll have a favored life. But when you're on the outs, you're not feeling too good about life, are you? But when you obey, there's a sense of life is good. Life is good. I'm close to mom. I'm close to dad. And other relationships seem to be easier, too. That's what God means. He favors, he blesses, and he does so. He does so in our Christian life, doesn't he? When we walk with the Lord, he smiles, he blesses, he fills us with joy, even though the ups and downs and valleys of life, there's, a, there's an inner peace and joy. But when we willfully sin and move, well, there's a dark cast that sh provides shadow over our hearts. It's, it's not the feeling of well-being. We know all's not right. We need to do business with the Lord. And so he's saying, look, obey your parents. Honor them. What? It'll be well with you. I'll bless you. I'll favor you. And second... He said, furthermore, if you do this, your days will be many. Many, which means that you will live God's intended years without them being cut short. Macro chronos is the word. Many, much time. You'll live in God's control of all things, but you won't be cut short as we say that on human terms and human life like Ananias he got his life cut short because of sin in his life and the like. Well, lessons for our life. What are some practical ways that we, as, uh, uh, as uh, uh, I'm going to give, as we as adults, most of you are, are on that end of the scale, can honor our parents, and then we'll close with 5, 6, and 7 with some general uh, things from the message. Number one, and I have those on your sheet except for some blanks. Number one, we can, we can honor our parents uh, by speaking kindly to them. And that means the tone of our voice is, is very important uh, as we speak to them and speak to them with love and affection, words of love and tenderness. You see, that's, that's proper and that's fitting to do that. Fitting. The nonverbal. I used to teach communication seminary. 
And the nonverbal is stronger than the verbal. You can say to your spouse, I love you, and scream it, and she'll never believe it. She's listening to the nonverbal tones, and we do that. We perceive the involuntary to be more attuned to what really is versus the voluntary. That's the whole thing with a lie detector test. The involuntary, we give more credence to. The tone, tone is two-thirds of the message. I can tell Faithy I love her, look her in the eye and say it in such a way, she knows that I'm, I didn't mean it. And, uh, and so we need to speak in tone with affection and loving words, kind words to our parents. And most of you are adults are in that kindness. Very, very important. Number two, we can do so. We can honor our parents by making provision for their material needs. And we need to do this. Matthew 15, 2 to 6, I already uh, suggested that text. Make provision for them. They made provision for you. you uh, you've survived this long. I got news for you. When you're six, you didn't buy your own shoes. We used to wear Keds and uh, flyers and all kinds of things in those days and jeans and, and all the rest. We didn't. And education and, and all these things. I didn't even worry about where am, where am I going to eat next. I never even thought about that, right? Mom said it's dinner time. We went in and ate. I never even thought about that. Well, somebody took, God provided through my parents. God's pr program is, is we are to care for and provide for our family and our parents often think of Francis, and I go back to that with you guys. Important. God is pleased with that. Number three, we can do so by being considerate of them, by giving them our time to be with them, and to include them, to include them. You know, in the ancient day, the, the homes were not fragmented like us. So oftentimes, a, a dwelling, depending on the amount of earnings that were brought in, they would have multiple generations of family there. And sometimes I think we really miss that by, by not having that. Or in the farm, and I used to see that in Indiana, where dad and mom would become a certain age, they'd become more feeble, and, and the son or the daughter, son-in-law would take over the farm, and they'd build a little house kind of over here for dad and mom. And uh, they, he, dad would do what he could. But now he was more in the sunset years. But they would care for him. There's something very biblical, very godly, very beautiful about that. One of the things that in nursing homes, and I realize that sometimes that is an option, but those dear folks sit there looking out the window, wondering, waiting for their loved ones, their children. And that means everything to them. Everything for them to come and to visit and to be with them and to spend time. Spend time. I've, I said that, I think, around Christmas time. I'm of the age where I, I don't even want any birthday presents from my, my kids or family, and I know Faithy feels the same. I just love it when we're all together. We all have time together. It seems those, those periods are so few and far between. And that's what we owe our parents, time, sacrifice to make that. Do that. Number four, we need to honor them by forgiving them. So you still carry about heartache and, and anger or bitterness in your heart against them. I'm telling you, God says, keep no record of wrongs. God slew me on this not too long ago. I found in my heart that I was. People that let me down and failed and sinned against me and and it surfaced, and, and I was keeping a record of wrong, and it was like the Lord rebuked me. I, if I did this with you, Zeke, you'd be in deep trouble, and I would be. And we need to forgive like Christ forgave, completely and totally. What sin? What that? And we need to do that with parents. And some of you may need to make some phone calls, and some of you may need to visit, and write some letters, and to say, Lord, uh, uh, Mom, forgive me. I love you. And move on, move on, come on, move on. You'll never move on until you release them and forgive them. And if they're in heaven, if they're gone, then, then release them in prayer so you don't live the rest of your life stunted spiritually. You will be. Honor them, honor them. Number five, look up here. I have a few more, more generic now. We're to honor our parents as long as we live. Just a reminder. 
you never outgrow it. You might outgrow a size 9 shoe or certain size jeans, right? Everybody's losing weight. It's the beginning of a new year. Everybody does that, right? I can't. I got to get into my old jeans. Some want to get in their high school jeans. Oh, my. Yeah, outgrow them. You never outgrow this. Never. Never. You're to highly prize them, value them, esteem them. Number six, parents, uh, we are required to teach this to our children. We must also expect and demand obedience. You must. They'll test you. Oh, they will test you. I drove my parents crazy. Where's that line? It's right here. And I kept pushing it, pushing it. Don't let them push it back. There's the line. You know what? They'll be, you'll raise secure children that way. They'll know where the boundaries are. Raise them that way. How many times have I said that new river down in where? West Virginia? See that? They jump off that with parachutes and bungee jump and all that way down to the river. Well, hopefully they don't hit the river. But uh, that high bridge, I'm glad there are guardrails on that. How many would you like to go across the Golden Gate if it didn't have any guardrails on it? I don't think so. I'm not even going to walk across that thing. That wind really blows there. I'll get swept right off. That's what discipline is. It provides guardrails, and it produces a sense of security. And children want to know that. And next week, we're going to go in detail on what, what, what's the curriculum that parents ought to be, at least from the Word of God, teaching their children from Ephesians 6.4. Last, number seven, and last, and we'll be done. Perhaps your lack of obedience or honor to your parents means it could mean that you're unsaved, young or old. If you're saved, this should not be a problem. It should not be a problem if you're still in your younger years to give obedience to your mom or dad and to honor, and to honor for all of us, our parents, the duty of all children. Now, let, I want to take just a, just a couple of questions and we're done. Who has a question and or a comment about this whole thing of honoring and obeying parents? Yes, Galen. Amen. Yeah, I don't know if you all heard. Sometimes parents will get diseased and ill, ill later, even Alzheimer's, and that means that you don't stop honoring them. And even in-laws. The Lord favored me with some of the very best, and, and I still thank the Lord most days for Faithy's mom and dad. That's right, honoring them. Other comments or questions? Yes, Bev? Yeah, that's, that's a very good question. That's a question that comes up with uh, our missions work with uh, the Muslim in, uh, in countries where Islam predominates, and uh, they'll be cut off. If, uh, if a Muslim trusts the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, cut off from their parents. Now, uh, there is a command in Scripture to obey and to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. And so that predominates number one. She, she must, her creator God is number one. And then second, she just has to commit her mom and dad, even if they should disavow any relationship or what have you with her, that God is greater than all that. And maybe through her own life and witness as a believer would bring them out of the darkness of, of Islam to be saved. Uh, so, I mean, if she's an adult, Primarily, really, she needs to respond to the gospel and be saved. Anybody want to add a comment to that, Raj? I know of a man who was a uh, 
radical Muslim terrorist who got saved and is now serving the Lord with all his heart. And he was very concerned about that very same thing, that his parents would even kill him. But uh, he stood up for the Lord. His wife, who first didn't want to have anything to do with him, his children, who didn't want to have anything to do with him, now they're all saved. And now his mother has, has gotten saved. His father has passed away. Look at that. There's a good example. Yes, thank you, Bev. And another comment or question? Anyone? Everybody ready for lunch? <laughs> All right, let's stand and be dismissed. Father.